All right, Numbers chapter 12 tonight. We're looking at Moses, okay? <clears throat> Last week we looked at the Red Sea and we looked at the fact that Moses' faith was growing. Today we want to look at Moses the meek. That's what he's known for. He's known for being the meekest man uh, in all the earth, right? Now, Numbers chapter 12 uh, gives us the story of Moses and his meekness, or at least one of the clear illustrations of Moses and his meekness. I'm going to take time to go through this because... Um, <clears throat> Sometimes it's hard to get your head around the idea of what meekness is. If I throw out what meekness is, sometimes you give me the Sunday school answer, right? Meekness is uh, strength under con- under control, right? And, you know, look, that, that that's a good definition. But understand that little short definitions often lack the capacity to make the, to give, give, give the fullness uh, of what something means. And so we, we want to delve into this thing because we, we're, we're going to see that it's really important to us, not just to Moses, uh, but it's really important to us. Numbers chapter 12, though. Let's begin <clears throat> by looking at that there. It's only short. We're going to read the whole chapter. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Right now, what you've got here is the in-laws and the outlaws. okay? Um, you have uh, Moses' wife, Zipporah, uh, is um, an Ethiopian. Uh, remember, she's, uh, he married her when, when he was in the desert. And um, his brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, are complaining. Now, really what's wrong with them is they're jealous because... As far as they're concerned, Moses is getting above himself. You know, Moses is saying, God said this and God said that. And they're saying, well, who does he think he is, right? Now, uh, how many of you have been in a situation like that where you're the kid brother and a kid brother or the kid sister and everybody's looking down at you and saying to you, you know what I mean, uh, you, you, you think so much of yourself. It's kind of a common thing. Yeah, and it's happening in this family too, right? So they're attacking Moses on the head of it. And, and the issue they're bringing up is the Ethiopian white. Right. Now, verse 3 gives us our, our, our text. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's an astounding statement. God says Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Now, I want you to catch the picture here. Uh, they're complaining. They're moaning. They're 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 saying Moses thinks he's so great, and he thinks he's the he's he, he's the he's the best, and we're just as good as Moses is. Uh, what does Moses say to them? Nothing. Moses doesn't take up his own defense at all. You see, meekness doesn't take up your defense. Meekness doesn't react and respond, and go after somebody because they're going after you. Moses is meek, and he, he doesn't react. But I want you to notice what else happens here. God does say something. Right? And here's the thing. Really, you've got to come to the place where they, you know, you're, you're going to slay your own snakes or God's going to slay them for you. Whether you're going to fight your own battles or you're going to let God fight the battles for you. And we spend a lot of time fighting our own battles and digging ourselves into deep holes. But if we would be meek, we would end up letting God fight our battles just as he did for Moses here. Now, let's read down through the rest of the passage, right? Um, 
And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, verse 5, and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now, notice what God is doing here. God is saying, look, I'm going to speak with Moses face to face. He is faithful in all my house. We'll look at Moses' faithfulness at a later date. Uh, But but I'm going to speak to him face to face. He's not the same as the rest of you. You know, somebody said God doesn't choose favorites. And then somebody else said God plays favorites with those who play favorites with God. And, you know, Moses was faithful to God, and so... Moses had gotten God's attention. God was on Moses' side, if you like. But the reason God was on Moses' side is because in all his house, God could look at Moses and say, Moses is on my side. And therefore, God could be on his side. Now, uh, that's where we all want to be, isn't it? We all want to be in that place where, you know, we can reckon on the fact that God is on my side, that God's going uh, going to fight for me. Key issue for us here is, being where God wants us to be, not where we want to be. Doing what God wants us to do and not what we want to do. Because that's exactly what Moses is doing. But God takes issue. Let's finish off the passage and then we'll look at some more scripture. Right? Um, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, that she not be ashamed seven days, let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not until Miriam was brought in again. And afterwards, the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. Right? <laughs> the key thought we're seeing there is Moses did not react. He left it to God. Now, I wonder, can you do that? Right? Let me give you some other verses. You're going to say, well, that's Moses. He's a leader. Uh, I don't need to be meek. I'm not a leader, right? Let me give you some other verses. Psalm 22, verse 26 says, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. So the meek uh, are going to be satisfied. Um, Psalm 37, 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek shall inherit the earth. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 6 says, The Lord lifted up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. But God lifts up the meek. Um, Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Meekness is not an option for leaders. It's just for every one of us. We all need to be meek. First Peter 3, verse 4 says, But let it be the, the, the um, ornament of a woman. Let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So ladies in your home, if you have a meek and quiet spirit, what God says to you is that's in his sight of great price. 
right? That it is valuable to him. Right, now let's define, let's have a word of prayer first and then we'll define what, what, what meekness is. Father, would you bless us tonight as we look to this topic and would you help us, Lord, as we look to your word. Lord, we want to be meek. Uh, we see it and we aspire to it, but so often, Lord, uh, we're fighting our own battles. We're reacting to things all over the place, Lord, and we're not trusting the reality that you are and that you are in charge. Now, would you bless, would you help us to see it tonight and, and lay hold upon it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, <clears throat> meekness is the ability to accept God's dealing with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting them. Let me read you that again. Meekness is the ability to accept God's dealing with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting them. Right? Now you say, well, I, can, I can accept it from God. But oftentimes in your life, God's working through somebody else. Oftentimes in your life, there's somebody else dishing it out. Can you accept it then? Can you actually uh, accept God's dealing with you as being good and without disputing or resisting them? Right? It is to rely wholly upon God rather than on your strength to defend you against injustice. That's where your Sunday school definition comes in. Right? It's strength under control, right? Uh, well, it's to rely wholly on God and not your own strength to fix it. That's a tough one for us, isn't it? Because we want to sort the situation out, don't we? Yeah, we, 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 we want to get it fixed. Um, <clears throat> meekness towards people means knowing that God is permitting the injuries that they inflict. Right? It's the complete opposite of assertiveness of self-interest. You see, the, 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 uh, the, the world's call to you today is to assert yourself. Don't be a fool. Don't be a doormat. You've got to stand up and, and make sure they reckon with you that you're a person to be reckoned with. But the biblical thought is a completely different thought. You know, if Moses were to go to leadership school today, um, he'd have a hard time, wouldn't he? You mean to say you didn't deal with the situation? You mean to say they, they, they were criticizing you and you said nothing about it? You mean you didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't go after them and sort them out? No, I left that to God. That just doesn't fit. Right? <clears throat> but you know, in our lives it would do us a whole lot of good to actually let that happen. Let's look at some examples of um, <clears throat> uh, meekness. Look at me at 2 Samuel 16, 5 through 12. Let me get someone to read. Jeff, will you read this for 2 Samuel 16, 5 through 12? Everybody look there, but let's have Jeff read it. Yeah, 16, verse 5 through 12. Belial, yep. Yeah. 
Okay. <clears throat> so Shimei, he's one of the um, relatives of Saul. And David, this, at this point, Absalom has taken David's throne. He, and David's on the run from Absalom. And um, <clears throat> Shimei comes out and Shimei is cursing him. Right? And Shimei is, you know, is taking the moment and saying, great. This guy's on the run. This is just what he deserved. Now, this was a tender moment for David. This was not a happy day. This was a day, you know, when his son was chasing him. Um, this was a day when, you know, the, the bottom had fallen out of David's world. But what do we notice about David in this? Right? Normally, we would expect, he's king. If he says to Shimei, Shimei, go ahead, do it. I mean, the, guy, the guy's head literally would have been taken off in minutes. And nobody would have said to David, that's against the law. David was the law. Right? So he could easily have done it. You know, he could have reacted that way. But what do we notice about David? Even in this moment, one of his lowest moments of all, what do we notice about him? What do you see in, in the passage about David? Yeah, God's on the throne. David knows that God, David knows Shimei couldn't be, couldn't be calling him names apart from God letting him. Now, that's a lot of faith, isn't it? That's a lot of understanding of where God is in your life. To understand that even this can't happen without God. You know, that Shimei tearing him down can't happen apart from God. And so David is conscious of the fact that God is in this. God is in this. Right? Now, that's one of the keys to, to being meek. It's understanding God is in it. Lose sight of God in the situation. And I'll tell you what, you're going to get riled and you're going to get fired up and you're going to be fighting your battle. And it's going to become your battle. And you're going to miss what God is doing in it. Right? <clears throat> but understand this. Now, David is conscious of God in the situation. And He's willing to leave it in God's hands. And he says, it may be that the Lord will do me good. The Lord did do him good. Absalom's going to get killed and David's going to be restored to his throne rapidly. But David understands that the reason he's off his throne is because God allowed it. Uh, the reason this man's able to curse him is because God allowed, is allowing it. And that he can trust God to work it out. Now look, David could have gone over and taken off Shimei's head. David could have mustered his army and, and you know, attacked uh, Jerusalem and went after Absalom. And without God, it was bound to fail. But if God was in it, it would succeed. And the only way it was going to succeed is if God was in it. Now, apply that to your life, right? The battles that you fight. I mean, you have to fight your own battles, don't you? Because if you don't fight your own battles, who's going to fight them for you? If you don't straighten things out and straighten people out that, that do you wrong, who's going, to, who's going to do it for you? And so you go out and you straighten them out, and they don't get very straightened. They don't get very sorted out. You end up taking it in your own hands and trying to make it happen, and oftentimes you make it worse. But notice this, that David has to put up with Zeruiah calling him names. But he's not stressing about it because it's in God's hands. You see, when you fight your own battles, all the stress is on you. When you put your battles in God's hands, the stress is on him. 
He's much better able for the stress than you are. Right? <clears throat> he's able to carry it. He's able to do it. He did it for David. Right? But it's either you're going to take it in your own hands and make it happen, or you're going to trust him to make it happen. And, you, you know, we do a lot of things in our own power. We fight a lot of battles in our own strength. But they, we never do very well. Right? Okay, another one. Look at Jeremiah in Jeremiah 26, verse 14. Okay, Jeremiah is in one of his many imprisonments here. Verse 12. Then spake Jeremiah unto the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doing and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. But know ye for certain that if you put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth, the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. Right? Now, here's Jeremiah. I mean, he's been brought in because he was telling the truth, because he was passing on the message that God told him to tell, and they didn't like it. It was never a good message for Jerusalem at this stage, so they didn't like what, what Jeremiah was saying, right? Um, but he's brought in, he says, I am in your hands. We'll understand this. You have God to deal with. Now, he's got no power to threaten them. He's got no power to stand against them. All he says is, I'm in your hands. That's meekness. But understand, God's in the situation too. That's the attitude of meekness. I'm in your hands, but God's involved. You, you look out for him. All right. <clears throat> Um, look at First Peter two verse twenty three. Who, when he was reviled, speaking of the Lord Jesus, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Right now, this is the Lord Jesus on the cross. What's he doing here? What does he do with the fact that he's being so wrongly treated? Well, was, was Jesus ever a victim? Was he? Was he ever a victim? You know, to be a victim, you know, you, you, you've got to be in the place where you've got no choices. Pardon? He looked like a victim, but he wasn't a victim. He was there by choice. Remember he said, I lay down my life, no man taketh it from me. I lay it down. Nobody was able to take his life. He laid his life down. Right? So he was never a victim. There was never a point where he was a victim. So what happens when he's on the cross? They're doing him wrong. 
It's all wrong. The, the trial is wrong. Everything's wrong about it. Everything's wrong about it. They're doing him wrong. <clears throat> what is he going to do with it? Well, basically, he's got two choices. Either he's going to deal with it himself or he's going to put it in the Father's hands. What he did was he put it in the Father's hand. He trusted himself to him that judgeth righteous judgment. I'm going to let my Heavenly Father deal with it. I'm going to let my Heavenly Father um, take the situation and deal with it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to let him deal with it. Now, that's the attitude of meekness. I'm going to put it in his hands. I'm going to let him deal with it. I'm going to do yes. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. But I'm going to leave him to deal with the situation. You see, <clears throat> and here's one of the things that, me that, that meekness does for us is meekness actually takes the pressure off you and puts it on God. Right? <clears throat> now, we, we read First Peter chapter... Um, <clears throat> let me read it for you again there. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter three verse four. Um, actually, look at First Peter because it's a just over the page there, right? Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also be without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Whilst they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning. Let it not be the outward adorning of the planting of the hair and of the wearing of gold or of the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, uh, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, oftentimes what you do is you take meekness as being you just keep your mouth shut. Right? <clears throat> do you ever see someone keeping their mouth shut with steam coming out their ears? <laughs> That's not meekness. <laughs> That's just keeping your mouth shut. And sooner or later, you know what, you, 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 you bind up that much power and it's going to come loose. Right? The, the, the volcano is going, the volcano is actually going to erupt. It's going to happen, right? So that's not meekness. Meekness is you <clears throat> looking at the situation and recognizing God's in, in this thing. I'm going to leave it in his hands. By the way, a woman is put in a very <clears throat> awkward position in a sense. Uh, in her marriage, because she's told to submit to her husband. Now, <clears throat> submitting to a man is not always easy. Do, do, do you understand that? I mean, some of you men, you don't understand that. Submitting to you is not easy. Right? <clears throat> uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to submit to a man. But that's the biblical command. And ladies, if you're not in submission, you're out of the will of God. And being out of the will of God has all kinds of varieties and issues and so on in our, in our lives. You know, listen, you... You, you, you can be in submission but doing your own thing. You can submit as long as you're pleased with it. Yeah, listen, it's a tough one. Right? That is a tough one. Right? If you don't want to submit, by the way, don't get married. Right? <clears throat> because, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to submit in that sense on a, uh, until you're married. Right? But you need to submit once you're married. So you're put in a difficult position. Now, God never puts you in a difficult position on your own. God says... I want you to step into the place of submission. I want you to have a meek and quiet spirit in this thing. And that'll be real valuable to me. Now, if God could come down from heaven today and stand up here and say to you, and say, look, I want you to understand that, you know, what you're doing is of real value to me. That it's very 
expensive. It's something that's 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 rich, something that's that's wonderful in my eyes. That would encourage you to do, wouldn't it? Now, let me ask you, if God thought it was wonderful, do you think he might be <clears throat> interested in acting on your behalf? Right? You know, uh, we'll say you have some precious possession that's really precious to you, right? And somebody's messing with it. I mean, you're going to respond to it. What God says is, if you will have a meek and quiet spirit, ladies, God's going to be in the situation and he's going to be responding, reacting for you. By the way, I don't think this is just for ladies. I think meekness draws the attention of God. You know, the picture I got from Numbers chapter 12 is this. I see Moses going about his business, doing his thing, just doing what he's supposed to be doing. Moses just doing what he's supposed to be doing. They're complaining and they're moaning and they're criticizing him. He doesn't care. He's just going about his business, doing his business and leaving it in God's hand. And he's not reacting at all and God steps in. God comes down. You know what? When you're meek, God comes down. When you will have that meek and quiet spirit and submit yourself and uh, put yourself in that position, God is in it. It's in the sight of great price. So although you're called to do something extraordinary, when you do the extraordinary thing, God steps in. That's pretty extraordinary too. So I want to just give you just that, that, that carrot that's involved there. That when you submit yourself and you are meek in the situation, then God takes over. And you see, Moses didn't have to deal with Miriam and Aaron. They had, God dealt with them. Isn't that what you want? You know, listen, you don't want to be in the place where, where, where you're doing, fighting all your own battles. You get weary of it. You get tired of it. God says, no, don't. Just let me meet in God's spirit. Let me fight for you. Let me take over. You know, Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not again, but trusted himself to him that judges righteous judgment. Put himself in God's hands. And God dealt with the situation. The same is true in our lives. God will deal with the situation. If you'll have a meek and quiet spirit. Um, <clears throat> God will take and God will deal with it. All right, now, what are the principles involved in meekness? First of all, trust in God. You've got to trust God. You know, and, you know, that's kind of the basis of it, that I'm going to trust God. God is sovereign. He places us where we are. You know, Moses had no desire to be a leader. You know, Moses was not praying, oh, I wish I could be the leader. I wish I could be the head guy. He, you know, when God came to him to be the head guy, Moses says, no. You know, why don't you get somebody else? I'm not, I'm not good at speaking. I'm not, I'm not good at this. I think, you know, in Moses' life, Moses was quite happy to stay in the desert and herd sheep. He didn't aspire to great things anymore. He didn't aspire to leadership. Um, he was just quite happy, but God insisted. And Moses, to his credit, yielded and did what God told him to do. And he became the leader. But Moses could after that, always after that say, God, I, I didn't put myself here. You did. I didn't even want this. You put me here, Lord. This is your plan, not my plan. You know, when God puts you somewhere, listen, it's a safe place to stay. But you've got to trust him to take care of you in it. You've got to trust him to look after you in it. 
He's able to look after you in the situation. <clears throat> he was able to look after Moses because he put Moses there. Right? <clears throat> Secondly, the spiritual leader depends upon God. Moses could say, God, you put me here. It's your job to keep me. He didn't have to defend his leadership. That was God's job. So <clears throat> whatever leadership you're involved in, you need to depend upon God in it. It's easy for us to depend upon the power of the flesh. You know what the politicians do all the time, don't they? They depend upon their ability to make it happen. They depend, they depend upon their power to make it happen. You know, But we're not supposed to. We're supposed to depend upon the power of God. You know, fathers, you carry huge authority. You may not reckon it. People around you may not reckon it. But God put you in that place. And because God put you in that place, you can depend upon him to back up that authority. And what you need to do is depend upon him. Not yourself. Not your own way, but depend upon him. And then, of course, you need to lead. Because that's what he put you in leadership for. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Moses could do what God wanted, not what the crowd desired. You see, because God, because Moses didn't put himself in that position, because Moses, Moses didn't make, him, make it happen for himself, when it came to leadership decisions, Moses wasn't looking at the people and seeing what do they want. Moses was just depending upon God. What, they, what, what do I do with them now? How do I lead them now? And he was just the kind of leader that God wanted. Remember, God deposed Saul. And why did he depose Saul? Because Saul kept looking to the people. Oh, it was the people. They made me keep the sheep in the oxen alive. Oh, the people were, 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 were going from me, and I had to offer the sacrifice. Saul was looking to the people, and God removed him from being king for it. And he got a man after his own heart, David, who would look to him, who would depend upon him. So in your leadership, you don't lead by consensus. You lead by, what does God want me to do? And if you lead by what God wants you to do... He steps into the picture, and he's in charge. And you know what? That'll breed confidence into everybody around you when they see that you're actually following God. That's what it'll, it'll breed confidence into them because they're not just following you now, they're following him. But you need to depend upon him. You need to live. You need, <clears throat> Moses followed the cloud, not the crowd. Oftentimes, leaders are leading based upon what the people want rather than based upon what God wants. Really bad leaders are leading based upon what they want themselves. Right? But good leaders lead based upon what God wants, and that's exactly what God did uh, with Moses. And Moses uh, benefited greatly from it. Also, you need to be humble and not to assert yourself. That's a tough one. Right? <clears throat> You know, because from time to time, you as the leader, you want to say, I am the leader, you will follow me, right? You know, it's like when, when your children are out of control and you're telling them, I am the parent, and you've lost the plot completely because, you know, if you have to tell them you're the parent, uh, you, you've lost control of the situation altogether, right? <clears throat> you know, but <clears throat> you need to be humble and not assert yourself in the leadership, not about you. You know, I know the people of Israel complained bitterly about Moses, and they, they you know, they, they provoked him sore. They provoked him till he got angry with them. But they, they were constantly provoking him. But you know what? The truth is that Moses was there on God's orders, God's instructions. He was just doing what God wanted him to do. 
Moses didn't have to assert himself. He didn't have to make it happen. All he had to do was do what God wants him to do. And even <clears throat> and, and, and these people looking to him, I mean, in, the, in their better moments, they, they had to realize he's not doing his own thing. We may not like where he's leading us, but he is leading us where God wants him, wants him to lead us. And in your leadership, you need to understand that, that it needs to be not about you. You know, it's about what God wants, and ultimately that's going to be what's best for the people. Uh, <clears throat> you see, politicians depend on their personal popularity. But God's way of leadership is much different. God says, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. Uh, <clears throat> it's not your job to build yourself up. That's God's job. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. But he doesn't do it quick enough, does he? And you have to get involved in it. And when you get involved in it, you mess it all up. You mess up the whole plan. Because God wants you to leave it to him. Remember Joseph? We're looking at Joseph at the men's home tonight. Remember Joseph? <clears throat> you know, at no point does Joseph assert himself. At no point does Joseph make his own case. Somehow, he caught the truth that he had to humble himself and um, that he had to be meek and let God work the situation out. And God did gloriously. But he certainly didn't work it out on Joseph's time schedule. Joseph was 17 when we meet him, and he's 30 when he finally gets to the throne. That's 13 long, hard years in darkness. That's not where any of us want to be. We don't want to be there for 13 years. <clears throat> you know, that's not what we want. But somehow, Joseph made right choices along the way to trust God and to depend upon God, even in all the adversity that he, that he met. He made the right choices to trust God, and he came out of it a better man. In fact, he came out of it a man God could use. Because none of it was by accident. All of it was by intention to build a man. To make a man. And because he made right choices, he was in the place where God was able to use him. Now, you've got to understand that it's not a case of you building yourself up or making it happen for yourself. It's a case of you yielding to God. Submitting to God and letting him, letting him work it out in your life. Uh, <clears throat> Lord, the Lord is our perfect example of humility. Look at Philippians chapter 2. We'll read from verse 1 here, right? <clears throat> if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Now, what do you think the answer to that is? Is there any of those things? Yeah, of course there is. That's the answer that, 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 that he's given us, right? He says, then, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one not mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And you know, the, the, the word vainglory there, strife and vainglory, is the idea of electioneering. You know, where, the, where the politicians go out and they cut each other down and they tear each other up. And, and, and basically they spend their time saying, pick, pick me, pick me. 
and and they want to get the limelight, and they want to get you to see them, and they they want to be elected um, to to the office they're looking at. That's strife and vainglory. You know, you, you know, in order to be a politician in our system, you have to sound your own trumpet, don't you? That, that's what they do, right? But he says, you as a believer, you're not to do that one. That's not to be the way that you 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 react or you deal with situations at all. He says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't look out for yourself, but look out for others. Put others first. Look out for others first. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form, that's the essence of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God. There was no robbery for him. But made himself of no reputation but took upon him the form of a serpent and was made in the likeness of men. <coughs> what he did was, for all his glory as God, he came down and he made himself of no reputation. When we shall behold him, there is nothing that we shall desire. When, if you saw Jesus in the streets, you wouldn't have said, wow, there's the Son of God. You'd have just looked, there was nothing in him that was all that great. Nothing in him that was, that was all that marvelous. Right? He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself of his reputation. Uh, and he took upon him the form of a servant, right? That's the essence of a servant, right? And the word servant, there's the word doulos, it's a slave. It wasn't just a servant, you know, it, it was a slave. So that he was under the control of another and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, (coughs) what you've got is you've got a progression down there as far as Jesus is concerned. You know, he steps from heaven. He's made like a man. He becomes a servant. He, 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 he becomes obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But what you see on the other side of it is you see the exaltation. He's taken up again. Now, that's the way of God. If you can have the mind of Christ and humble yourself like Christ did and be meek, then what God can do is God can lift you up. God can take you and lift you up. God can take and do anything with you. Listen, <clears throat> how could God use a man like Moses? Why didn't he use him when he was 40, full of life and strength and energy and with a sword in his hand, ready to go, could take on anybody? Because he was proud. It was all Moses then. It was all about him. Why didn't God take Joseph when he was 17 and just lead him straight down to Egypt and, you know, give him a dream to interpret for Pharaoh and uh, put him in? Because, you know what, he would have gotten proud. It would have ruined him. Why does God take and put you through trials? And knock the pride out of you. To bring you to the place where you've got the mind of Christ, where you're not depending upon you anymore. To bring you to the place where you understand it's not me not my power. I can't do it. See, we'll humble ourselves. It's, it's the opposite to the way the world sees it, but if we'll humble ourselves, then God can take and do something to us. And if we won't humble ourselves, he can't. 
Because if you're going to maintain your rights and if you're going to fight your, your uh, corner and you're going to uh, deal with it, what you're going to find is that you get left to deal with it, but you don't forget very far. You know, and you can stay, you know, um, marching on the same spot for a long time and go nowhere. You're around in the, um, if you're driving up the road in the West Park gym, there's all, all the um, uh, bikes and the, tra- and the treadmills and everything else are in the window up there, right? And when, you, when you're driving by sometimes, there are all these people furiously walking, riding bicycles, going nowhere. Right? <clears throat> a lot of people do that with their lives. A lot of people do that with their lives. They just make a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of motion, a lot of things, a lot of energy expanded, but we're going nowhere. Oh, listen, it might look good, but you're going nowhere. Because <clears throat> the truth is, only God can exalt you. Only God can take and put you in a, in, a, in a good place. You need to understand that, listen, God deals with us and brings us down so that he can bring us up. God brings us down so that he can use us. And you know, <clears throat> Moses didn't react. Do you know why Moses didn't react? Because he didn't care. He didn't care what they said about him. It didn't bother him. He was only doing what God told him to do. It wasn't his problem. He was just doing what God had told him to do. And you know, when you come to the place where you don't care because you're in the service of the Lord, you're free. Moses had been trying to, you know, corner all the the strength and get all these people on, on board, and you know, uh, get the get the, you know, get the party of Moses going, and you know, make sure that everybody was behind him. He, he'd been a dead man. He'd have worn out. All he had to do was do what God told him to do. You know, as a leader, that's all you have to do: do what God told, tells you to do. That's all I have to do. Only have to do what God tells me to do. I don't have to make it happen. It's very easy in leadership to take on more responsibility than is yours. But all I got to do is do what God tells me to do. And He's responsible then. And that's all you got. That's what Moses did. Moses heard from God and he went and told the people all the time. He heard from God and he went and told the people. God told him told Moses what to do, and Moses would lead the people. The people want water, God said, Well, where's the water, Lord? And he would, he would, he would get, get water for them. But he would just do what God told him to do. That's all he did. Where are we going to go now, Lord? The, the, we're boxed in here and Pharaoh's behind us. Just take the rod and open the Red Sea. Okay, Lord, and he just did what God told him to do. Dude, that's all you got to do. That's really simple. Dude, any of us can do that. And that's one of the essences of meekness. I'm going to let God have his way in my life. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Now, I wonder tonight as we close, right? Where are you as far as this is concerned? It's nice to talk about meekness. It's nice to talk about Moses. It's nice to talk about all these things. But where are you? Are you really meek? Are you really in that place where you're trusting God to deal in the situations in your life? Well, what about that situation that threatens you most? And it's a person on the other end of it. There's a person there who's threatening you. Are you really in the place where you're putting yourself in God's hands and saying, Lord, I'm in your hands? Or you take care of me? Lord, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do and you take care of me. And you stop making it happen for yourself and you start letting God work in your life. You know, you might see miracles in your life. 
In fact, you would. You'd see miracles in your life. Stop making it happen for you and just let God have his way. You just do what God tells you to do and let God have his way in your life and stop all your plans and all your scheming and all your uh, desire to make it happen and just let God have his way in your life. And you know what you'll find? You'll find that's the land of miracles. That's the land where things really happen. But all we keep our grubby little hands on it, don't we? What did Jesus say? He that loveth his life in this world shall lose it. But he that hateth his life shall keep it. You know what? If you're willing to put your life in God's hands and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Just, you just show me what you're not going to do, your, do it your way. You know what you'll find? You'll find it's life itself. That's meekness. That's putting myself in his hands. All right, so they're treating me wrong. That's okay, because I'm in his hands. He's going to take care of me. That's letting God have his way, letting God take care of you, letting God look after you. Oh, listen, what a great day it is when we release ourselves into his hands and let him have his way in our life. That's better for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this man, Moses. And we do ask you, Lord, that you'd work in hearts and lives. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. And God is dealing with someone tonight. God is working in your heart. Let me encourage you to respond to him. You know, it might be in a marriage situation. It might be in a life situation. It might be in a work situation. It might be a child that's here today. But God is dealing with you, and he's, he's asking you to put it in his hands and to trust him to look after it. As God is asking you that, would you lift your hand just to recognize that you're recognizing that God is working in your heart, God is working in your life. Amen. Amen. See those hands. Amen. Why don't you can put them down. Let me encourage you. Put it in his hands tonight. Don't just go out of this place and forget about what you heard and forget about what God did in your heart. Put it in his hands. Leave it in his hands. Let him sort it out because there's no way that you can. Now, Father, would you bless. Lord, uh, many decisions tonight, many people, Lord, that are willing to put it in your hands. But Lord, you know the frailty of our flesh and you know how often and how easy it is for us to uh, let go of that which you're doing in our hearts. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, would you be mighty for us? Uh, would you bring each one through to su- success, to victory, Lord, that they might know uh, the power of you taking over and them not having to do it. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.